Hello, and welcome to another new episode of the Somewhat Damaged Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Alpern, and with me as always, John B. Today, we welcome our guest, John Huck. We're talking a little bit about music, a lot about comedy, and of course, as always, food. It's all good because John is in front of his beautiful lavender background. It's actually a blue background. This is my guest room. Oh, it was yeah, a- that, that's where I'm. That's where I'm at. <laughs> Which is uh, actually my room, but you got some good deck there. Is that a is that a pillow or is that an actual guitar? That's a pillow that I made in in uh, middle school. <laughs> I sewed it for home economics. Shut up! Come what? on. 19 no you didn't make that 1985 did you i I don't know yeah i'm a thousand bro i don't know what to tell you man um i'm old as shit yeah (laughs) (laughs) for the the record so am i it's all good yeah i mean i don't know (laughs) i i i can't i can't pretend otherwise because it doesn't i can't try to i can't try to know what's cool hip or 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 young i just (laughs) don't know i at least do two hours a day to make sure that i'm hip and cool Oh, dude, my my cousin was coming to visit. She's well, I'm from Illinois. My cousin lives in Illinois. She's got a 16 year old daughter, and her friend, her, her daughter was bringing a friend. So her, her husband, her, her daughter, and her friend, two 16 year old girls. She's like, "We'll just go around Hollywood." And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, "Shit, I don't know what 16 year old girls like to do in Hollywood." So I started to Google it, and then I was like, "Nah, nah don't Google that. I don't want That's that." I'm like, weird. "Where do 16 year old girls hang out?" Like, <laughs> Mm, no, because at first I was like kids, sixteen-year-old kids, and then I was like, it was like, it's just I was like, you know what? I'll just drive them to where I think is cool, and they can tell me I'm old and weird. Just drop them <laughs> off at the Grove; it's fine, and they'll figure it out from there. Dude, I took them to the Rainbow. Did, <laughs> they were like, "What?" <laughs> did you did you make them eat pizza? No, actually, I, they ordered whatever they wanted, but um, I do like the pizza there. Yeah, I don't. It's funny. I don't. I know the pizza gets shit on, but I mean, it's like. You know, if you're gonna if you're gonna do it, you may as well eat the it's, pizza. Yeah, you're not there because you're like, mm, this is the best pizza I've ever had. You're like there because oh my god, is that Sebastian Bach throwing up? What is that? <laughs> yeah, right. You know, it's edible. I, oh no, know. he's just going through the trash again. <laughs> Dude, I like I like Skid Row. Like growing up, I thought they were they were all right, you know. And uh, we brushed shoulders at the Rainbow one night, but I was I was super hammered, and I was like, "Hey man, I'm a really big fan of Skid Row." And he's like, cool. But he was also probably equally as hammered. But my friend was like. Dude, it looked like you were going to grope Sebastian Bach. That was weird. <laughs> well, he was pro- Sebastian was probably drinking, gla- I would bet, a glass of red wine, and you were probably deep into a bunch of Miller lights. That was a good call there. Yeah, probably. <laughs> if, I, if, I, if I was out at the Rainbow at that time, it probably would have been Miller lights or Pabst. Yeah. 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 PBRs. Sure. Yeah. It's funny. I love the Rainbow. I love it. Like, I spent a lot of time there, and it's definitely a place I try to hit whenever I'm in, you know, up on, on that side of, the, of uh, Sunset. But, it's just one of those places that you just go in and you, you can't not have a good time in that place. You can't not. Yeah. And just to know, like for me, there's a lot of that, like, even though I wasn't there for the big things, like the nostalgia of that place, like, yeah. I mean, I, I met Lemmy in that bar. Like yeah. he asked me if he could play Miss Pac-Man when I was done. And I was like, <laughs> Oh, what? Like, I, I, I mean, I, I love motorhead. So like yeah. for me, the, the, the music that that era that that, that kind of place represents, oh, totally. you know, with like Gazaris or the Key Club or yep. whatever it's called now, right there, yep. and like, I mean, that there's just like 
it's so it's so much of my youth. Like, I mean, I was dude, when I heard "Shout at the Devil," I lost my fucking mind. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, "What is this?" Like, it was so good, dude. I loved it, man. I know so much. Yeah, I'm the exact same way. It's the same the music. Same music to me is same same era of music is is what I grew up on. Uh, and was and was lucky to spend a lot of time in Southern California around that time. Oh, so, see, the, you're lucky, dude. Yeah, I know. I know. I, mean, I know. That's the kind of place I'm just looking through ripped magazine, reading circus, like oh, yeah. the rainbow whiskey, like. You know, like it. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I used to spend like my when I was there when I was a teenager. I'm saying I couldn't drive. I would make or ask my parents to drop me off at Tower Records on Sunset, and I would just hang out in Tower Records for hours Dude, hours how could you, you you get lost in that place like yeah and you know looking through and listening to music and then seeing all the people coming in and out and then walking up and down i mean those are some of the best, like some of my best memories as a kid like all the time i spent on the strip during that period and i don't know like i don't know if it did this for you but it kind of like you're a kid you're able to see it did it did it give you any kind of like oh this is something that you can actually do like you can come here and you because like I was so far removed. I was like, you can't just, like, yeah, I played guitar. Yeah, I was in some bands, but I wasn't like, you can't go to L.A. and make it like yeah, that's it's impossible. Funny. I never had any like and me and John talk about this all the time. Like I never had the be on stage itch like that was never my thing. I played in bands my all my teenage years and a little in college and then even in my latter part of my 20s. But it was almost by like default like someone would say hey you want to do this i'm saying, sure you know whatever i got nothing to do friday and next thing i know i'm in a band for six months and but i never had that yeah. itch to like jump up on stage and really do that and yeah. same thing with like comedy like i i mean we're around a shit ton john books you know a premier club in the city and we do shows together and you know, all over the place but it's not like I have that itch to be up on stage. So I never had that like, oh, I wish I could do that. I'd rather be in the audience, like watching guys who are like melting your face, like melt your right. face. Dude, but, but even that, like it just didn't that even to be like in the, like watching Motorhead at the whiskey or something didn't seem like an attainable oh, got it. thing. You know what I mean? Like you, but, but I, I get what you're saying, but like, I just feel, and I think it's, about, I've been thinking about this since, um, oh, sorry, John, were you going to say something? No, 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 no. Oh. Go ahead, John. Uh, are you guys, do you guys like Van Halen? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. If you don't, I got to say, man, that's cool. Having a gray heart that beats once a year. Good for you. Good luck with that. Um, but I thought I've been thinking about this, like almost daily. I think about this specific thing since uh, I found out Eddie Van Halen passed away on my way to yellow, like uh, Yosemite. I was like, I was in the best mood. And I was like, you hear I heard it on the radio. I was like, what the fuck? And since that day, Every day after that, I've been thinking, like, imagine being a guy in the in 1977, you're like 17, 18 years old. You're the guy in your town. You don't live in Southern California. You've never been to Southern California. You're like how I grew up. You're in a small town in the Midwest. You know, you read the circus magazine, but you go to the record store. You buy all the records. You know all the songs. You know all the music. Everyone comes to you with their, hey, who's in this band and what's that? You're that guy, right? And then you're just smoking a joint like before high school one day in your buddy's car. And he's like, oh, let's put in this new eight track that my older brother gave me or whatever. And it's running with the devil. Yeah. You've never heard of Van Halen and you've never heard Eddie Van Halen and you didn't know about Southern California and Pasadena. And all of a sudden you're listening to running with the devil and you're like, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool, man. Cool. And then eruption. Yeah. I, I, like, I, I don't know what, what, like, what do you, I feel like I would like, 
start screaming, cut my dick off, throw it in the river. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I would free, like, I would, like, you're like, oh, yeah, I know every guitar player. And then you hear, like, a new way, like, we've heard Jimmy Page. We've heard, you know, at that point, um, like, Black Sabbath. Like, there's, all, there, there's like, what, this is, to hear Eddie Van Halen for the first time and not have ever, because I heard him when I was in fourth grade, 1984. Right. Then I went backwards. It was like, oh shit, there's older Van Halen. Like yeah. I didn't, you know, but just, I think about like being that guy, like, oh no, I know everything about music. And then hearing that going, I know nothing. I know yeah. nothing about anything. Yeah. Do you know, do you know what's funny is that we talk about music like that. And then, you know, we, we, we look at other, you know, generations, younger generations, and they're freaking out over, you know, things that we don't consider um, music. I mean, whether it be, you know, that K-pop revolution, whether it was the boy band stuff back in the late 90s. Um, I was in the world of emo and pop punk. And L.A. was always one of those spots. Like, our our record label is based out of L.A. It was drive through But everybody wanted to play L.A. Yes, you wanted to do, like, Gramercy. You wanted to do New York. But when you got to L.A., you wanted to play the Troubadour. But I would see the look on, like, some of these grizzled road veterans from the 70s and 80s watching them do sound and tech for a bunch of 19-year-olds on stage singing about how my mom sucks and then I'm like, yeah, school's like, hard. I hate math. Da, 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 exactly. Da, 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 da. And I would just, yeah, I would just look at these guys and just be like, oh, what the fuck am I doing with my life right now? Well, <laughs> I think, I, I, I feel like as I've gotten older, I've gotten a little bit more understanding of not all music is written for you sure mm -hmm. do you know what i mean like i'm not a, the target audience of the boy band era like i never was they weren't like hey where can we get a guy trying to grow a beard in high school who loves rolling his own cigarettes like you know, th that was not <laughs> who they were after you know what i mean they were it was so i i appreciate that i i heard a story about again to go back to lemmy and the rainbow but like he was sitting at a bar and somebody came at the bar and somebody came up trying to start a conversation with him started shitting all over the new ABBA had just put out a record, started shitting all over the new ABBA record. And Lemmy was like, well, Hey, how many number one fucking records have you put out guy? Yeah. And he was like, Oh, my bad. Sorry. It's like, <laughs> just because you don't like something doesn't mean it doesn't have value either commercially, financially, artistically, however you want to look at it. But yeah, I mean, it is. Does you, that you translate the, to you as well though, John, now that we're seeing the uptick of TikTok comedians and people that have been in the game for two years and maybe because they're a person of color or their sexual orientation, they're getting that late night spot. Do you still feel the same celebration that, you know, Lemmy is feeling of ABBA that you are for, let's say, I don't know, somebody that just did uh, uh, like Colbert a couple weeks ago? You know, again, I'm older. Like I, I feel like everything is geared towards younger people. And if it's like, there are plenty of common and, and I'm look, I'm all for the the cultural shifts that have happened. I'm all for, you know, mixing up the lineups. I'm all for, I'm a hundred percent for it. And if that means I don't get as many spots as I used to get, so be it again, I'm old. It's okay. I can stay home. I don't have to go out every night. You know what I mean? I don't need to be out till two in the morning every fucking night. But I, I feel like, again, it's it's always about, it's always been kind of like 
the gatekeepers are being paid to get what they think puts asses in seats. You know what I mean? And if, and however they have to do it to maintain their job or whatever, that's what they're going to do. And I, I have never fit into a category that was like, let's get this guy on TV more with his standup. You know what I mean? Like, Ooh, yeah, we need more of this. So it, it's never, it's not like it was taken away from me. You know what I mean? So I, I'm okay with all of it. I don't, you know, I, I do. I mean, do I celebrate it the same way? Let me celebrate ABBA. I don't know, but I mean, I will say again, not all comedy is for me. I like what I like. I sure. mean, I don't, I don't even go out of my way to watch that much comedy anymore. Just almost because I don't want to start sounding like someone else or start, you know, it's hard. Like I'm from Illinois. I'm from outside of Chicago. If I watch a Sebastian special, I love Sebastian. He's so funny to me. Like, but he, cause he feels like he's, busting my balls. Like he, I feel like I'm back home and he's like, Hey, what are you doing? Wearing flip flops? Come on guy. Like, I feel like that's like, I relate to that humor, you know, yes. but if I watch like two, two specials in a row and then I go out that night to do comedy, I get a little bit of that. <laughs> I'm like, dude, stop doing that. And I'm like, I'll, I'll see even somebody I've, I've never seen before. If they have repeat something a bunch of times, I, I've gone, walked away saying it like, okay, well don't say that on stage, man. Cause people are going to be like, Hey, that was the guy I just saw the other night. So it is kind of like, I don't know if I'm like a, a sponge or just easy, easily manipulated or what. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know where our buying audience is. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> At the end, you guys sell me stuff. I'm like, yeah. podcast. I bought a yeah. shirt. I bought a hat. Have you heard about Amway? It's a fantastic <laughs> opportunity that we'd love to kind of talk to you. I have to like, pitch Primerica. I'm surprised like, more comedians haven't gone and done like Amway and like Primerica, by the way, just because they're they're comfortable talking to people and they can they can do a pitch if well, they really wanted to. They're comfortable talking at people. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a difference to talking to somebody when you're on a stage and they're in the dark and you're like, Hey, farts. And they're laughing and you're having a good time, you know, but like when you're face to face and you're like having to like, cause I mean, I, I I'm fairly social, but I don't really, I don't, yeah. I don't, you I don't, don't, you don't, don't go to talk to fans. Up, oh, we don't know? talk to fans here. No, not, it's not even fans, just in general, like everyday life. I'm not like my mom in line at a Starbucks will talk to everybody in line. And you're like, shut up. What are you doing? Stop. <laughs> but like, I won't do that. I'm very, I'll just head down. Let's get the coffee and get out of here. Yeah, no, me too. Me, me too. But speaking of ABBA, have you, and Rock, have you heard the new Foo Fighters covering the Bee Gees? Uh, I have not, but I bet it's awesome. It is awesome. Right. Does he go falsetto? He, did you? Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. John. Well, I was going to say, did you see the Bee Gees documentary on HBO? I did. It was great. Wow. I yeah. mean, that, I mean, I guess I was, I wasn't a Bee Gees kid growing up. I, my parents didn't listen to it. I was like, I always thought, I always equated it to the movie Saturday Night Fever. Sure. Like, they're a disco band. Yeah. And they weren't even trying to, be to disco. make disco music. Yeah. It's and pretty everyone was like, no, this is disco music. And they're like, hey, whoa, 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 we're a rock and roll band. This is yeah. our this is our music. Whoa, what? And then they were like, nope, you're disco. Yeah. And then it was like there was backlash, like uh, on stage, the biggest band in the world, and like literally like five minutes away, they're like, fuck them. And it's like, <laughs> what? And yeah. then uh, it's so bizarre, but but um 
uh, and the Foo Fighters are <laughs> immensely talented. Yeah, so it, if they're going to cover something, they're going to do it 100%. Yeah, it really, you know, I mean, it's like four or five songs, you know, the ones that you would imagine they would do. And they are pretty true to the the band, the Bee Gees, but obviously with a, a rock influence, a little heavier. Well, wait, wait, they do the whole album? Not the whole album, five, oh, okay. five oh, songs. Okay. Like oh, wow. Five, yeah, five songs, I think. Um, it just shit, came out. Yeah, it just came out last week. And oh, shit, I gotta listen to this again. I'm old. People yeah. are like, don't, I mean, don't my, email my, them about it. My uh, parents hey. were huge fans of the Bee Gees. They still are. You know what I mean? Like, I like. How can you not? I, I grew up listening to Saturday Night Fever. My mom would clean the house, you know, Dude, and she yeah. would put it's on like Saturday techno Night music. Fever. It's like <laughs> yeah. you can just get out there and like. Exactly. I mean, like, yeah. I so so I need to hear this. This sounds interesting. Fuck, oh, great. it's really oh, good. I mean, if you didn't if you didn't know it was the Foo Fighters, you you wouldn't necessarily be like, oh, that's an interesting, you know, remix of of the right. Bee Gees. You know, something is is up, but it's very true to the music. It's yeah, it, and it, it's rocking. It's like I, I when I went out like walking the other morning, I'm like I put that on. I listened to it like three times. I'm like, like I can just fuck. see you with like paint cans, just like <laughs> <laughs> just get your pants yeah, just flared out, walking. <laughs> your bell bottoms are just getting bigger as yeah, you go. Right, right, you get knocked right over. Like, what's that guy's problem? Right to where I picked up my chicken wings and then come yeah. over. <laughs> I kind of see you power walking down the street to this, <laughs> like in these Lululemon pants. Chicken wings in one hand, six pack in the other. Like, <laughs> you got two paint cans, but one is filled with chicken wings and one is filled with. <laughs> Just, no, no. Ranch. Really Ranch, come on. Ranch. Spill <laughs> it out. You know what? I just came up with the, the cover art for this episode. It, I mean, it's. It's, it's you, the full ranch, two chicken oh, wings. God. I know what I'm doing later for sure. But yeah, it's, it's, you know, I love that shit when a band, like I'm not the biggest Foo Fighters fan in the world. I respect the Foo Fighters, obviously. I respect Dave Grohl. I don't own a lot of their music, but I respect the shit out of Dave yeah. Grohl. And he, you, know, you guys pay for music? <laughs> but the different guys in that band, Again, they're, I'm all, old. they're all awesome, awesome musicians from you know, Taylor, the drummer, the other two guitar players. Like they're great. So whenever they cover something, it's, it's definitely good. I almost rather listen to that than a Foo Fighters song, to be honest. Like I, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. But, you know, I I love that shit when a band takes someone else's music and does a killer cover of it. Like especially like the drive-through artists, they do all these like pop punk. You know, pop goes punk, right? Yeah. And yeah. I love that shit. Like, dude, I mean, the, the, me first in the gimme's doing oh. Goodbye Earl, or yeah. you know, or <laughs> yeah. all the songs that they do. It's like. That I mean, is Fat Mike is just a genius, though. I mean, like, me first, Mad Hatties, you know, like, that whole wave. I'm surprised. You know, I, one of my favorites to go is to Warp Tour and watch those guys play. Because me first would have a full bar on stage. And literally, they'd be playing. And, like, like somebody would be, like, mixing cocktails behind there. And it was such a cool thing. But, again, you know, we, we, you know, we love these. Uh, but there are some people that are just so anti cover like they just oh man really it. oh yeah. no dude i mean jesus go back to there's van halen did a bunch of covers like you know led zeppelin did blues covers like you i mean dave matthews did all along the watchtower no, <laughs> you too did all along the watchtower the grateful yeah. dead did all along the watchtower dead and company do all along the watch. like it's like 
the, the Grateful There's, Dead is like one of the biggest cover band. I mean, I'm a huge Deadhead too. My music sure. are fucking weird. But right? that's true. And they they're are like a, biggest cover band of all bands. Tra- like, they take traditional music and, right. and you're, we're singing Not Fade Away. Yeah. Like they wrote it. Right. You know, exactly. It's like, exactly. there's so many, dude, during um, Black History Month in February, somebody put out a thing like, um, go go ahead if if you don't if if you if you're like somehow anti-black people go ahead if you're a dead fan go take out every song that was that was written or um, done by a black artist and it yeah. was like I made a joke to my friend I go yeah it's Karina into long way to go home <laughs> into the end that's it maybe I fought the law you know just like a garbage set just yeah, terrible yeah. yeah it is yeah great. i mean the grateful dead they take they've been doing the the oldest fucking music i mean sure and some of the new stuff like well, i shouldn't say new at the at the time that they were doing like dylan tunes and stuff yep. they were newer songs but. sure yeah i mean I, i've been i was at pre-jerry dying close to a hundred different incarnations of dead shows between Jerry solo, Bob Weir. So that's shows and fucking dead shows. tight, dude. It was a lot I of only shows. Saw, I saw 24 grateful dead shows straight. I never saw Jerry band. And I never saw Bob do anything that wasn't grateful dead until right. now. Yeah, no, I, I was through that whole time period. I would go, I would that's go to the Jerry Garcia band shows in the off tours and dude. certainly Bob Weir. And I, I saw Bob Weir and Jerry on the same show you saw that show yeah oh, yeah like it was yeah. like um was it jerry and friends or something but like the jerry band played and then bob and um yeah no it bob Rob Wasserman Rob, it was bob and wasserman yeah and then the jerry band it's like same night so you got all the bob songs and then you got yeah. all the jerry's but you know jerry's band didn't do a lot of dead tunes it was mostly jerry garcia stuff yeah. and of course a hundred yeah. covers and i mean the, like if you take out all the songs that were written by solely by white guys, this like it's just their songs. Then the rest of them are all cover songs. Yeah, five hundred thousand <laughs> tons of steel. Like okay. Cool. <laughs> anyway, sorry to get off track. No, so you're not talking about the Grateful Dead all the time, all the time, constantly. Yeah, it's pretty wild. You have the same, same very similar music taste to me. There's not a lot of people that are diehard '80s hairband metal fans that equally are diehard deadheads. You know, Dude, I love, I could talk about Rush for an eternity too. And people are like, that's enough with the Rush. And you're like, <laughs> you know, no, dude, but seriously, they're like, mm, okay. I, it's funny. I have a joke that my, my, my wife constantly, like I say it all, she now says it because we're driving somewhere and Rush comes on, right? Tom Sawyer, Limelight, I don't know, something. <laughs> and she goes, now that's a good American band. <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, you're right. They're from Canada. <laughs> but you know what? That's better than her going, if you play this in the car again, we're never going to, we're, we're yeah. getting a divorce. Like, know, so many, like a lot of women are like, I don't understand what this is. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't get that with Rush. I love Rush. Dude. Yeah, me too. I, love I mean, I, Rush is like one of those, like, I, I, I get into it. I mean, like, listen, I'm a little bit younger, but like, I mean, I listen to like, you know, Coheed and Cambria was one of those bands that had that high falsetto. You know what I mean? So everybody would always compare them to Rush, but there's totally. like, you know, but like Rush is one of those bands that like, it's just a good jam to just like Tom, just Tom fucking just just jamming out to that windows down, fucking going down 80. I mean, come on. Like, how can you not, you know, yeah. get a drum solo in there too? <laughs> oh, God. Dude, people ask Neil Perth, they're like, do you, don't you, didn't you get tired of playing Tom Sawyer every night? Every show he's like, 
Tom Sawyer is an incredibly hard song to play on the drums. So every time I did it well, I was proud of myself. So right. no, I didn't get sick of it. It was like, for Neil Pertigal, it's a hard song to play. It's like, dude, it's an impossible song for a human being to play yeah. then. If, if yeah. it's hard for that dude. Yeah. I mean, unbelievable. Oh, fuck. All right, so I got to listen to Foo Fighters, Bee Gees, and I'm going to listen to uh, Sawyer when I get out of this. That's what, that's what I'm jamming out to. You got to listen to Older story. Rush. You can't, like, to me, like, it's funny because... After Roll the Bones, I kind of like lost my luster for Rush. Me too, for a while, yeah. for a long while. And I saw that. Did you see that documentary, Beyond the Gilded Page? I didn't Beyond see all the of the Gilded it. Stage. Yeah, no, I didn't see all of it. It's so good, but there's it comes up like, dude, Presto and Roll the Bones were like my era of Rush. Yeah. Like I found sure. Rush, and then Presto came out, and that's when I first saw them live. And I love that album. And they just recently remastered it and they remastered Roll the Bones. And I think those fucking albums rule. In this documentary, they go into depth on each album. Then they get to Presto and they go, and then Presto and Roll the Bones came out and they were kind of thin albums. And then they moved past that. And I was like, <laughs> my head wow. almost exploded. Dude. I was like, thin albums. What yeah. do we, what? Like, I fucking love those albums. Yeah. I mean, I it love them. It's, you know, it's funny because that's also sort of around the time when music just went, uh, radio went a totally different direction. That's very true. Right? Yeah. And yeah. they were What very, year was this about? 90, 89, 90, yeah, 91? 90, yeah, 90, early 90s. Yeah. I, okay. I, and that's, you know, you, you came out of, you still had classic rock stations, right? But they were playing a ton of... 80s rock, you know, 80s metal and stuff. Then you had your hard rock stations. And then that all got wiped out by Nirvana, right? Like alternative radio stations. Alternative station radio stations, yeah. right? So even like in New York, K-Rock, which was traditionally a classic rock station, they went very much into alternative and like metal and stuff like that. So you lost the, the radio play for this class, you know, classic rock and bands like Rush, which certainly benefited from video and all the classic rock radio stations. And there was nowhere for them to go. Right. So you yeah. lost all of that. And I think that that's why their albums, certainly after, after Roll the Bones became way less popular main, like to the, to the mainstream. To the mainstream. Yeah. Um, and that sucks, but still, I don't, I think that they got way let, like they were way weaker than Roll the Bones backwards. How does it make you feel though to hear that music with like how, how does it make you feel when you hear like some of these some of the music that you grew up on and now they're like on you know adult contemporary stations? Oh, it's I mean, did that happen to me so long ago? It was like <laughs> they're like, it's, here's the oldies. It's like Jump came on, and I was like, dude, <laughs> oldies, what? And then I was like, I guess it's been like 20 million years since that album, you know, and now it's been even longer. Everything, everything I, you know, they're playing Guns and Roses on. Classic, classic rock, rock stations yeah. and and and, yeah. I, and like i shouldn't say classic rock but yeah like yeah classic rock yeah it's it's it's, it's i mean nirvana is being played on a, the local classic rock station in my area yeah it. and it's like i mean even i mean listen i'm i'm, I'm late 30s but like even me i'm just like oh wow that was god 20 some odd years ago <laughs> like it's yeah, quite I mean, i'm that's, like and that's the other thing it's like we have to understand that like the things that we loved for what we loved about them back in the 80s and early 90s, like people today who are just getting into music are not going to be impressed or enjoy that because it's all an evolution and we've come, we're beyond that now. You yeah. know what I mean? There's, you're not really going to be impressed with somebody who sounds like Eddie Van Halen because you've heard Eddie Van Halen. Right. So somebody's going to have to come out and sound like 
somebody different, you know, it's, which is good because you want originality and that's what drives creativity. I, I, I you know, I could talk about music for months on end. And, um, you know, I think a lot of what, what's kind of fucking up the music world, whether there's not a lot of these bands that really like have longevity that, you know, really album cycle after album cycle after album cycle, the way it used to be, you know, album tour, album tour, album tour. There's not that anymore. I don't, you know, on the big scale, it's all like, if you look at the touring schedule for this summer, right? All these bands that go out, it's like mostly nostalgia bands, right? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of that. There's not a lot. Nostalgia's huge right now. No, of course. But what you're not having are all these tours of newer bands that are going out with other bands. Like you look at it and like every band is 10 plus years old. You know, I just yeah. saw a lineup for three doors down, right? And it was three doors down and like two other bands of the same era, right? Not Limp Biscuit, of course, but like that. Oh, yeah. like, okay, so that. <laughs> three doors down, lit and uh Chumbawamba. Chumbawamba. <laughs> Dude, they got knocked out, but they got up again. You're never gonna keep them down. You can't keep a good band down. Love thumping maniacs. <laughs> you fucking cut that. I can't. No, it's fine. It's in. No, 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 dude. That's the funniest thing I've ever said. So we're going to leave that in. <laughs> but it just, it's, it's, I don't know. It's weird to me that it, they're not, like record labels have gone away, right? They basically have gone away. They're not investing in bands for the long haul, right? So yeah. now all these bands and people are only concern like i talk to young bands all the time and it's they're just trying to produce the next internet viral song right sure. they're only about creating a song and a sound that's pop related you know so they can be like you know something get, catchy that's going to get a billion views and right a million listens exactly. day one and then kind of grow from there little by little and then but who dies but dies the and then yeah. people are on to the next one and it's like you know we talk about this and a lot with you know comedy and like the TikTok sensation of you know um, obviously you know TikTok creating comedians right you know and I know you can tell by the roll of your eyes <laughs> what the well I just I feel fans. like that's just such a like okay so someone's really good at making TikTok videos but like right. I, you know does that how does that translate to a live performance and how does exactly. that and and if and if they can translate it great more power to them if they can't then they're just internet sensations and again more power to them but it's like i get them comedians it. doesn't seem uh, i don't know it's not viable maybe? i mean i'll be completely honest with you. most comedians so uh i've had i've had my share of youtubers uh, and instagrammers that you know want to do comedy and they've done it but you get a huge crowd um but you know it's their crowd so what they've been trying to do is just to kind of like keep the keep them, I guess, humble. What they'll do is the, their closer will traditionally be a uh, a, a long running comedian, and nobody sticks around for that comedian. They pay their checks and they get the hell out of there. Um, it's a good shot of cash for our system, but I have never. I, there's nobody I've seen in the last three years that has come out of social media um, that I would say is, you know, ha has some chops, to be honest with you. I mean, the only ones that I think have done decently well are probably the Paul brothers in the last couple of years, but primarily, no, they, 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 there's no rhyme. I'm actually, you know what? I'll take that back. Um, 
Chelsea. Uh, we, we had her on the pod the other day. Uh, Chelsea Greg. Lynn? Yeah, Chelsea Lynn. I think she's doing a decent... Oh. It looks like we lost John. You're... <laughs> and he's back. You're on mute. You're on mute. <laughs> All right, sorry about that. That's right. right. You guys froze. You fro- but you froze in the middle of... Um... The best person that, yeah. The, the having best a closer. Human, yeah, having a closer. Um, and nobody would stay for the closer. People are just there to see, you know, these YouTube stars and try to get a picture with them and get that next social media push for their own accounts. But Chelsea Lynn is the only one, I think, in the last couple of years that I've seen that actually has some chops, that she was doing these videos and she's doing well. Like she, she podcasts well. She does well, you know. She has some respect from some some bigger comedians as well, but she's really the only one besides the Paul brothers that I think really have anything right now, to be honest. Well, uh, back when YouTube sort of like the idea of someone being a YouTube star started to be a thing, I guess I was uh, asked to go to the Irvine or Brea Improv to feature for a guy who was an internet sensation, but it was. John Lejoie, who I don't know if, if you know who that is. He was on the league. Right. He played Taco on the league. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he he had funny videos, music videos. When I told a buddy of mine who it was, because I'd never heard of him. My buddy's like, oh, dude, he's on YouTube. And I go, what is that fucking? Like, this was so long ago. I was like, yeah. what the fuck? He's on YouTube. Like, I was, I was my dad at that point. I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, I was so mad. <laughs> but I was like, um, so I, but I got there and I did my thing. And then. He went on and he had stuff to do. He he did songs. He did, you know what I mean? He entertained the shit out of that crowd. He wasn't just like a no talent guy who just did wacky shit. Like everything he did was funny. You know what I mean? I mean, I sat in the back going, oh, well, I guess that's why he's popular on YouTube. He's good at this, you know? So, and then of course he went on and got the league and like, he's just, he's just a very funny, funny dude. So I'm very talented. I didn't know his act, but also do you know who Anthony Rodia is? He's a New York, Long Island-based comedian. The name is familiar. Yeah, he's he. I mean, he's blowing up. He like three years ago, he was selling cars, and now he's selling out shows in every city theaters, across the country, yeah. like theaters. And I mean, he's very funny. His his act actually doesn't really reflect his social media, right? He's he's an Italian comedian. Does a lot of off the boat like Italian humor based on his family, and that's what is. Yeah. YouTube and like social media videos are, but then when he does his stand-up, it's just a straight stand-up act. You know, yeah. like Sebastian brings in his family a lot, of course. Same yeah. same type of thing, and he's hysterical. But he's blown like three years solely based on what he's done on Instagram. I don't think he even does TikTok, but it's yeah. more Instagram based, and it's really amazing. And his act is solid, and he's on the road every week, like grinding it out and he built you know I mean, I've about it a lot like it's he he built it on instagram but he also built it in the old like rock and roll way of just getting your ass out on tour you know like the old well and that's the thing is tour. his videos drive his fan base to come out and see him the right. only reason he's making those videos is so he can get more people i mean maybe he enjoys making them i don't know but like but then he gets more people in the audience and then sure. clubs book him more you know what i mean it's like it's like, that's why, like, I believe that most comedians, if we could just be comedians, we would. 
but yeah. there's so much more that's asked of us and so much more now that is out there. You have to be kind of, I do this and I make videos and I do that and then I do this. Mm-hmm. So you, so for someone to have that already and, and be working on that is smart. You know what I mean? It just gets him more, more people, more people in the seats means more bookings, you know? Yeah. Right. Oh, for sure. I mean, that's essentially, that's what we look at. We look at the pulse star line. I mean, if you're looking at, uh, you know, high levels, but I mean, John, where does that fall for you? You know? Um, well, <laughs> I was just going to say, I, since the, since I've been back doing live comedy, I've, I have kind of a newfound, I guess I, I just, I, there was a little bit of a, a little bit of burnout, I guess, before where I was like, if it was a bar show that wasn't good, I was like, fuck this. I don't need to, you know, I would leave. There was like, there was just, and not in a snotty way, just in a way that's like, this isn't helping anybody to have comedy right now and do this. And, and now I have, I'm like, I say this out loud and I be careful. I have to be careful where I say it, but I'm like, (laughs) I don't care how many people come out to see me. I don't care anything about the venue. If there's at least one person sitting down facing the stage that wants comedy, that person is getting some fucking comedy. Yeah, and I say like I don't care how many people come out to see me. Club owners are like, well, then we're not going to have you here. Like, but <laughs> but they weren't going to book me anyway, so it doesn't matter. But I but I firmly believe that. Like, I don't. It's not to me. It's it's. I'm going to use every chance I get on stage to do something a little bit different, to tweak something, to work on something, to bring something else to it, and and entertain the shit out of whoever's sitting there. Right. So I go ahead. Okay. No, go ahead. you go, John. Because my no, I just based off of that. I mean, like. Listen, I'm a comedy club operator. I'm not an owner, but there is a little bit of me that, and not a little bit, there's a lot of me that when we have a, you know, to make something profitable at the club, you need about 10 people, all right? That's admission plus your two drink minimum, whatever. When you don't have 10 people in a room, you cancel the show. There's a little bit of me that, and I still feel it now. And actually, I mean, we barely, we don't really cancel shows. I've canceled one show, I think, since then. But when you see the look of disappointment on somebody's face who came out, to see comedy, to have a good time for that night. And you have to say, no, we can't do that comedy. The, you know, like <laughs> you, you got the exact opposite of you, of what you wanted by coming to that club is that you're not getting that laughter. You're getting disappointment. And there's a part of me that, that kind of, uh, that hates that. I would love to be able to like, if you're ready, you know, that, 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 that line, Oh, they're small, but mighty. Like, I love that concept. The comedy fan in me loves that idea. I've seen the funniest stuff happen, you know, on smaller shows. But the business guy in me is like, I can't, I can't operate like this, you know. I, I recorded um, my last uh, CD at Zany's in Chicago downtown, and I did every. I'm, it's kind of my hometown, not Chicago, but the Burbs. But I did whatever I could to pack those shows. Right then they do a late late show on saturday nights so it's the last show the day but the night before easter seven or eight people showed up but they sat in the front row and they wanted comedy right and they had a fucking good time like we i made them laugh we i mean obviously it's a different show i'm not doing the same i'm not up there like pumping through material like a robot you know but you can then do there's there's as as a comic there's a bunch of freedom there you get more a little more freedom like the club owner isn't like you better destroy 
they, they don't get they're like look we got some paying people that might have a couple of drinks like can you just get up there and they always tell you you can do less time and you're like and i always think i'm gonna and then i'm having so much fun it ends up being the longest show of the, of yeah. the weekend and and the, you know never gonna make the album never gonna be recorded it doesn't matter but just the i you know if there's again if there's one person there have the fucking show like just yeah. go you know um, I was going to not really ask about that. I'm just, I was looking at your, um, your, like your acting credits. Yeah. On MDB. And there's two that are hysterical that jump out at, at me when I was reading them. One of them, do you remember what your role was titled in Nobody Walks in LA? Uh, is something like shirtless hippie or <laughs> shirtless homeless guy or. Not close. Um, you played the subway weirdo. In, subway weirdo. Okay. The 2016. Nobody yeah. walks in L.A. Shot and, on a real subway with real people around, and I had to do it shirtless. It was weird. <laughs> so you actually owned the role. <laughs> I told him I go because I, I like the guy who directed. It. I was like, look, I'll do whatever you want. He's like, well, we're kind of shoot. It's like gorilla. We're in this. Yeah. We don't have any permits. We, I go, okay. So it was like last night, like, okay, and go. So we'll take the shirt, put the scarf on. Like I borrowed the scarves from my wife. She was like, what are you doing with these? I go, I got to go be shirtless on the red line. She's like, <laughs> weirdo today. And then do you remember what your role was in punching Henry? Oh yeah. Stoner dude. <laughs> but it's a pivotal gotta- role. <laughs> pivotal role, baby. Are you typecast, John? <laughs> Dude, my, the first time I ever got cast in a play, I was in sixth grade. It was the all-school play at my middle school, and I got the part. And it was this little—it was—it was a little part. It was smaller, but it was a funny part. And I come home from school, I'm like, oh, I got cast in the play. And my mom's like, Oh my god, what are you? What? Well, that's great. What are you playing? I was like, I'm playing an escaped mental patient. And she was like, she starts laughing. She's crying. She calls my aunt. She's like, oh, you got typecast. <laughs> I was like, I go, well, what's that mean? She's like, they cast you as that because they think you're an escape mental patient. And I was like, what? But it was like, I had to wear this fake long beard. I had a toga. I come running out screaming about my dad's a smurf or whatever. And that was like, the first time we did a rehearsal on that, I came running out. Everyone was laughing. I was like, oh, okay. Cast me however you want. I can so- do it. It's a good segue, though, into my death co, which you that that was a digital series, right? That yeah, it was won a web awards, series, yeah. and you were nominated for some stuff, like yeah, that was um again. I was I did a show at this place called Bar Lubitsch in L.A. Uh, I was hosting. It was like a a panel thing where people discussed and, and did shots or whatever. And these two guys afterwards were like, "Hey, we've got an idea. We want to shoot something for." have you ever, would you want, would you be willing to like play a grim reaper kind of in a thing? And I was like, okay. And then that same week I was asked to play a grim reaper in something else and asked to play a chainsaw wielding maniac in something else. And the second grim reaper thing never panned out. They never called back. And then the chainsaw wielding maniac thing, they needed me to run. And I had a bum knee at the time and I couldn't like sprint like they needed. So they're like, sorry, man, it's not going to work. But then these guys called me like three weeks later and we're like, Hey, this is the grim reaper people. I was like, well, which ones like the ones from before? <laughs> and they were like, do you play a lot of grim reapers? I'm like, I don't, I mean, may, I, I guess I could ask. I don't know if I actually play them. Um, but they had a, I thought what they had was great. I mean, those guys, Sean McDaniel is a super talented director. Ben Hammond is, is the 
main writer on those. The web series, we did six of them. And I think they're, I think they're great, man. I'm really, it was for me, they were like, you're the main guy. And then they just surrounded me with like really good actors. So it wasn't, I didn't have, I didn't feel like I had to do too much. You know, it was like, I had the makeup, I wore the cape, I had the site that ran around and, but everyone around me was so good that it kind of just enhanced the whole thing. And then they shot it very cinematically. And then the themes for each episode are sort of different and some are more comical and some are more sincere. And um, there's an arc for everybody. It's just, a, we're, we're trying to, we're still trying to work on it. We're trying to sell it as a TV show at this point because right. I feel like there's just so much there that, that can be, and it's something that we all think about. Everyone thinks about death, the afterlife, what it's going to be, how it's going to happen. You know, it, it's, I feel like that's something that's never too far away from most people. And I also like to think that this is something that isn't, you know, we think about the end and how like, oh, you know, that's it, we're done. And I definitely don't believe that, you know, I think we're all kind of one connected energy and it's like waves in the ocean. It's like when you see waves, some are small, some are big, some wipe out whole islands, some fucking, they barely make it, right? But all of them, when they break, go back into the ocean. Right. It's the same, the universe is the ocean, we're the waves, we're just, you know, infinite beings having a finite experience. And when that experience ends, we don't, we're not destroyed. You can't destroy energy. All the energy that exists in the earth on the earth is already here. It can only be repurposed. So there is no real death. You're just sort of done with your form. And then your energy is back out there to come back. And that's why you see like dogs that look like your dad or like, you know what I mean? Like (laughs) random people who look like eight people that you know, you're like, it's just mismatched energy coming back out of the, you know, universe ocean sorry i got a little bit high no i loved it i really did (laughs) that's good so we usually wrap with um a segment we do about food so i like food (laughs) yeah we all like food so i'll let john roll with it so uh john i want to ask you what was the best thing you had to eat in the last two weeks Well, okay. There's we there's a sandwich place here called uh, Fat Sal's. I don't know. If, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I know. It's like, is it on? I know. I know the crossroads. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the investors is the guy who played Turtle in Entourage. That was kind of. Oh, that's of, okay. But but the the food is really good, and it's like it's disgusting. You know, it's like yeah. this sandwich has you know chicken fingers and bacon, and it you know. But I always get I get like a, they have a really good tuna sub, and then they have really good milkshakes really and i would don't they say have a mural wait they have a mural of like biggie outside don't they maybe at one of their locations not the one okay. i go to though I don't okay got it but, okay. They, but there's a couple of them in southern california so i don't yeah, know there was one in west hollywood that i was kind of, was kind of thinking about but but okay so yeah. chicken what was so it was a tuna like i got i got a tuna sub which was good but but for me like when you say what's the best thing i've eaten at that milkshake that I had, I had, it was a, um, usually I get the chocolate peanut butter milkshake, but this time I got, um, oh, it was different. Oh, it was so good. Oh, I can't Well, you'll remember. have to tune in to Speaking Highly, John Huck Podcast to find out. We're going to do a whole episode on milkshakes, <laughs> which we probably will. I probably will do that because I fucking love milkshakes, man. But it was a milkshake from Fat Sal's in Hollywood. 
Uh, you put I a little malt. Kind. Do you put a little malt in there? Do I, like I, I don't. I don't mind malt. Some people are like very anti. Uh, I like it though. I don't. Mind I love it. it. I love it. I'll do a little extra malt in mine too. If I'm going to like uh, Shake Shack, get a little extra malt in there. I've never so been to Shake Shack. How are those shakes? Eh. Eh. I mean, it's just convenient for me at some cool. point. You name your place Shake Shack and then you have eh, shakes. It's like <laughs> yeah. well, people swear by them. And yeah. I, you know, I think anytime you pop a place up in New York City and there's a line, people are automatically going to think that that's the world's greatest whatever. Yeah. And it was just good positioning to put a fucking hamburger shake place in a park like okay yeah. you know not yep. not a hard task to get people to wait in line at lunch for a fucking milkshake yeah, yeah. i mean like are essentially the, are the big no. no see that's what is, why can't serendipity that's gonna make a giant milkshake like a serendipity big, serendipity where, is a place in new york city that makes like the gigantic shakes they also make they have the most expensive milkshake i mean like milkshakes are fairly easy but you know, like everyone's like, oh, I would just go to a like a like a Mr. Softy. No, they can fuck those up a lot of times. Like you get those like those ice cream trucks, and yeah, they suck at doing like it's more milk than it's ice cream at, at some points. Yeah. I mean, I I can't make a good shake. I mean, Dairy Queen makes a great milkshake. Dairy Queen does do a good milkshake, but again, I not mean, big on. enough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, McDonald's that shit with after thirty minutes, it's. It, Jack in separates. the Box makes an okay shake. They do okay. Ooh, I gotta check that out. Great. Yeah, they do. Next, next they trip do. to LA. They Jack in the Box does have a good milkshake. Yeah. Um. All right, dude. This was awesome. We can. We should talk music lots and lots. Dude, yeah. I, at first, I was like, "Oh, this is a music podcast." <laughs> <laughs> awesome. John, thanks so much, man. Dude, yeah, really man. Thank it. you guys. Let me know. Um, tag me and everything, and then yeah, I'll, sure. I'll promote it when it's yeah, done. Absolutely. We're in we're in LA soon, so and we're doing shows, so we'll. Oh, cool. Let me know on stuff for sure. Dude, for yeah, sure. All right, man. Awesome. Thank you. Awesome. Dude. Thanks, John. Thank you. Appreciate it, man. Thank Take you. Care. Later. You too.